Welcome to the NZ Everyday Investor Podcast. In this podcast, I cover a wide range of topics ranging from passive investing, property investment, and even crypto, all designed to help everyday Kiwis build new wealth in the new world that we're heading into. I'm Darcy Angaro, your host and financial advisor. Hopefully the content presented here gets you thinking about tools available to build wealth and the ways that you can use them effectively. Please keep in mind that none of this is financial advice. Investments or strategies discussed may not be suitable for everyone, so be sure to do your own research before acting on anything discussed today. Further information on today's show can be found by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player. Here you're going to find some show notes which will contain all relevant links relating to today's topic. The NZ Everyday Investor Podcast is hosted on the podcast.nz network and is brought to you in partnership with Hatch, who lets you put your money to work in the U.S. share market. Hope you enjoy the show. Depending on where you sit on the Bitcoin maximalist scale, Bitcoin is potentially the vaccine that will save us from a financial pandemic no central bank could ever rescue us from. Or it's just another asset to invest in. Then again, you may still be where the bulk of mainstream investors currently sit. You think Bitcoin is nothing more than a Ponzi scheme. The reason why you think that is entirely logical, by the way. You're basically investing in a man-made concept. There's no company, there's no product. Seems like everyone out there could replicate it, so it has no real moat in the traditional sense. And at least on the surface, there doesn't seem to be a use case for it. I felt somewhat embarrassed, naturally, when I first came out as pro-Bitcoin. But the world's moved on since then. And there's a place for people like us now, which is great. So whether you're a skeptic or you're crypto curious or you've already opted in, I think you're going to really enjoy this one today. But there's a choice I'd like you to consider making if you're comfortable in doing so. I'd like you to decide if Bitcoin is legit or decide that it's rat poison. That's it. I'm not asking you to own it. I'm just asking you to make a decision around it. Choose your adventure. I really think this choice is going to be harder to make in the future, especially for those working in traditional finance. And so that's why I want to bring it up. But going back to you, if you're already into this space, you're likely aware of what I think are the two biggest issues facing everyday investors of digital assets, tax and custody. The tax treatment of digital assets can be a little bit confusing. And as for the custody piece, we all love the idea of being our own bank, but often holding these assets directly can be a little bit stressful. And for many, I think this is what actually might put them off. So this is why I'm super excited to have Janine Granger and Vinnie Gardner on the show today to tell us more about how Vault Digital Funds can solve some of the tax and custody headaches we all have in the Bitcoin space. Now, Janine is the CEO and co-founder of Easy Crypto, and the last time she was on the show was episode 135. It was called the Bitcoin Roundtable. Now, Vinny is a first-timer to the show, and for someone exposed to me for the first time, I think he's done actually really well. Now, Vinny is the co-founder and CEO of Vault Digital Funds. Today, we're talking about another way that you can now invest in Bitcoin through buying units in a fund, much like you would with any other managed fund. Now, to say this is a significant development, I think is a massive understatement. Experienced holders, newbies, other managed funds, financial advisors, this type of fund could fulfill a need for a very broad range of investors 
and will no doubt make it even easier to receive financial advice around this exciting new asset class, something that I'm super passionate about. Now, before we start, I'll mention six very short points. Number one, we're talking about Bitcoin. And while I'm very comfortable to include it amongst all the various things that I invest in, I really need to stress that this type of investment isn't for everyone. Getting financial advice around this is like being a cat person in a dog park sometimes. But I'd urge you to get some advice or at the very least, start off in this space very slowly and do a lot of research. Number two, investing in Bitcoin, contrary to what some say, is actually not speculation. Speculation is defined by the activity, not the tools that you use. Speculation will almost certainly result in you losing money here, eventually. Instead, think of this as you would any high-risk investment. You need to hold it for the long term so volatility doesn't bite you in the rear end. Number three. Check out episode 170 that I did with Anthony Edmonds from Invest Now. Currently, this is where you can access Vault Digital Funds mentioned today, and you can download the product disclosure statement mentioned. Now, if you prefer the idea of being your own bank and holding Bitcoin directly, which is still very much what you may choose to consider doing, please use the affiliate link to Easy Crypto provided in the show notes. Number five, I've also recently released a, another video on YouTube, and there's a lot more content out there that I'd really like to encourage you to check out. It's much different to what you hear on the audio podcast. One episode, which will be linked to in the notes for today, is called Bitcoin. Is it really rat poison? If you can, I'd love it if you would go on there and check it out. Let me know what you think in the comment section. Lastly, as I often do, make sure you listen in to some further thoughts on the show at the end. All right, are you ready? Let's begin. We've got Vinny and Janine. Let's let's do some introductions one by one. So, Vinny, uh, for our audience, who are you? What do you do? I'm Vinny Gardner. I'm the CEO of Vault Digital Funds. And Janine Grange. I'm the CEO of Easy Crypto. We're New Zealand's largest cryptocurrency retailing platform. And Janine, you're you're no uh, stranger to the show. If people want to have a look at the back catalog, there's quite a few shows that you've appeared on or that we featured with Easy Crypto in particular. Um, but Vinny, first time on the show, and really excited oh. with what Vault Digital Funds is. So. What is a Vault Digital Funds? Sure. Well, Darcy, you may have seen, but we, we've just launched our um, our first fund offering on Monday, which was the uh, Vault International Bitcoin Fund. So that provides investors who are interested in, in Bitcoin, uh, but haven't taken the leap into the self-custody model through Easy Crypto, but want to come to a regulated fund product and get exposure through Bitcoin that way. And and we'll kind of dig into a lot more detail as we go here. But um, Janine, cool. just for some background, I want to kind of take take a picture of before and after <laughs> Vault Digital Funds. And then we'll kind of figure out how Easy Crypto and Vault and Invest Now actually work in, in the puzzle. I've been investing in um, in crypto for about three years now. I have purchased most of my crypto via Easy Crypto. I store it on various different wallets and that's what we would call the direct custody issue you know, the direct custody way of holding crypto can you just explain for our audience just how it works before vault how does it work in order to gain exposure to bitcoin in particular sure so yeah so the, the model that we use at uh, easy crypto which is a like you said a direct purchase model is customers can come to us buy cryptocurrencies we're like a retail shop you walk in you place an order and then you walk out the door with the goods in your hand so as you said darcy that involves a wallet so people come into easy crypto because we currently don't offer custody you'd need to set up your own wallet first so that might be a wallet on your phone it could be a hardware wallet device which is um, a more secure option it could be a web wallet there's a lot of different options but it does require 
require the investor or the person who's purchasing cryptocurrency to know what sort of wallet they want to set up to get that setup done and then so that they have somewhere to send the crypto. But like Vinny awesome. said, it does create a, a little bit of extra complexity and a bit of an extra step there. And for, yeah. for early adopters into crypto, that was seen as a real advantage. You know, you are your own bank. There's this yeah. big mantra in crypto around, you know, you have the keys to your funds. No one else is in control of them. You are. That has a bit of a double-edged sword, though, that it's like you're the only person in control of those funds. And as Vinny, I'm sure, will explain, that has a few fish hooks in it. Double-edged sword, right? <laughs> now, there's a lot of people kind of, when they think about cryptocurrencies or they think about Bitcoin in particular, it's volatile, it's a scam, it's a fad, it's used by all sorts of nefarious actors. Um, but some, some of the things that people probably don't think about are scams, mistakes in terms of moving funds or assets around, and that of basic just custody issues. Um, this one for Janine again, you know, like, do you think that with, especially with the easy crypto users, do you think that there's a lot of loss of funds due to custody issues, due to people losing access or forgetting their passphrase or someone stealing their passphrase? Is that a, a real problem that features a lot? Yeah, we, we do see this from time to time. Um, the loss of passphrases and the loss of passwords is not as common, but what we do see, and there seems to be an increasing trend around people having funds stolen out of hot wallets. So that's a you know an app on your phone or a wallet on an application, you know, software on your desktop. Uh, and a lot of this is driven by malware. And as cryptocurrency becomes more and more popular, there'll be more and more malware targeted at trying to find loopholes, find ways to access those systems and get your funds out of them. So it's definitely a concern and something that's growing as an issue. Okay. For some people who custody themselves, um, you know, myself included, you know, it's, it's quite an active process to continually uh -huh. review the custody to make sure that you're being diversified and safe and you've got backups everywhere. Yes. However, for some people, it's just not realistic. So Vinny, with Vault Digital Funds, that people can access Bitcoin or get exposure to the benefit yes. of Bitcoin. Yes. Take us through how this works to start with from a custody perspective, because I don't own this on my digital wallet. I'm owning it via a fund, right? Correct, correct. And probably a point to make from the outset, actually, Darcy, is, you know, we're all about democratizing access to what we believe will be uh, an important asset class. It's already, you know, a very large asset class. But there, there, there are plenty of people out there who perhaps don't have the tech savvy of a lot of the early adopters that have come to the space already through Easy Crypto and other channels. And but they still want that Bitcoin exposure. So a fund is a is a more familiar investing uh, vehicle that, that many Kiwi investors are already invested in. And uh, it provides that regulatory framework um, that just gives them a little bit more confidence to, to, to dip their toe into the space with appropriate financial advice. If we just kind of dig into a little bit of details, Vinny, around how the fund actually works. So what I'm aware of so far is that investors can access this fund on the InvestNow platform. I've had actually had um, Anthony Edmonds on from InvestNow probably only a couple of months ago if people want to check out that show. But this is yes. now another fund that investors can directly access on that platform, which is, I think, phenomenal. Take us through how it works. So uh, if, sure. for example, I, I wanted to, to purchase units in the fund, can you just take me through the mechanics of how that actually works? Just at a high level, um, you'll, be, you'll be purchasing units in the fund as opposed to Bitcoin directly. Once you've made the decision to purchase, uh, we will in turn go and purchase shares and units in foreign listed Bitcoin ETFs and funds, who in turn 
hold the Bitcoin in institutional grade custody. So that's held offline in, in, in cold storage So with, with some of the biggest names in the industry. So in essence, um, when you're investing in, in units in the fund, you're actually investing in the foreign listed shares as opposed to the Bitcoin directly but you still get the same. It's not too dissimilar to how potentially KiwiSaver works, right? Take me through this, like because there's there's certain players involved in this. And if you track $1, I guess, all the way through the process, yes. we yes. have an investment manager, a fund manager, a supervisor, a custodian, we have offshore managers. Correct. Do your best, Vinny, take us through how this works. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So bang on there, actually, Darcy, yes. We are the Vault Digital Funds is the investment manager and, and the lead distributor for, for these funds. The fund host and manager is Implemented Investment Solutions and, and, and VestNow is their, their customer-facing vehicle. The custodian is Adminis um, and they will actually hold the units in the fund and the underlying uh, shares that the fund invests in. So at no stage does Vault actually hold the, the funds or the units. So it's it's a regulated New Zealand custodian that holds those, those assets. The foreign listed shares that the fund invests in on behalf of the of the investor, they in turn have the Bitcoin that they purchased held by an institutional custodian in cold storage. Now there are a lot of there are a lot of links in that chain. I hope that yeah. was, was clear. It, it's it quite is. an interesting comparison to, um, you know, direct Bitcoin, right? Because Bitcoin and digital currencies had this promise of, you know, disintermediation and removing all those sort of middle people and to actually step through. And it's been a really interesting process sort of as Vinny's gone and built this fund to see how many parties are involved and how complex that can be. And while there is a lot of very necessary protections for retail customers, particularly built in with that, there's also a lot of um, complexity and inefficiencies. And so it's a very stark contrast between direct Bitcoin holdings and fund Bitcoin holdings. And, and there are some advantages to doing it this way. As, as I mentioned, the early adopters are you know, quite uh, au fait with, with the self-custody model, but there's a, there's, a, there's a big group of investors that aren't you know, up to speed with uh, self-custody, and in my opinion, they really shouldn't. So it, it opens up the Bitcoin space, Bitcoin exposure to a lot more investors in, in, you know, in, a, in a way that they're going to feel more comfortable. I totally agree. And even even myself, you know, I, I feel fairly comfortable and at home with the custody sure. arrangements that I currently use. But sure. like I look at this myself and I think, well, to me, this feels like just another level of diversification, similar to what I do with my other investments, where I may own direct shares in a company or I may be investing via a managed fund or even my KiwiSaver. It's the same actual ingredients, but I'm accessing it different ways. And some of the reasons why is for tax and some of it is for custody. And I'll come to the tax real soon. But I think anybody who's already into crypto, it does actually make sense to think about diversification within your custody solution as, as your own bank, which sometimes means you're outsourcing custody with at least a portion of your portfolio, right? Is that kind of where you see this fitting in? Is, is that this well, is like a supplementary thing for some people, whereas other people, it might be the only way they do it? Really, you know, relevant point, actually, uh, Darcy. I mean, that's exactly what I've done personally. Um, um, and, and I think that a lot of other direct Bitcoin holders will, may come to the same conclusion. You know, I mean, that's that's uh, for them to determine. But I think the key point is, is that it's actually going to, as I say, democratise. It's actually going to open up the space to a, a 
you know, a, a much wider pool of investors. You know, they, they, they're simply, they've heard about Bitcoin, they've watched it, um, you know, rise and fall and rise and fall and rise again, but they, you know, but they, they're, not, they're not yet ready to, to, to come to the self-custody model. And I, and I think for good reason. Yeah, no, that's good. And in the show notes of this episode, I'm going to have quite a few links. Really want to encourage all the listeners to have a look at these resources. One of them is the PDS, the product disclosure statement, written really well. It's not something to ignore. This is one you absolutely must read before you do anything. You know, and it talks about the fee structure as well. So you know, people can find that out as, as they go. But I just want to kind of put this in context, right? Because people will be paying a fee to get into this fund and it's it's a recurring fee that they're paying can you Great. just take me through Vinny, just for sure. someone who's tr trying to understand the difference between well i can own it directly and i'm not really paying anything at all apart from getting in and getting out in tax but yes. here via the fund i'm paying a fee what are the benefits from someone using the fund and paying a fee yeah sure the headline number is it's 2.5% per annum. So what does that include? That includes all of the costs of the underlying funds that we invest in uh, on, on behalf of, of the fund. And it also includes all the running costs of the fund uh, the and, and the supervisor and the audit fees, you know, that are really necessary for this type of vehicle, this mm -hmm. investment vehicle. So, yes, that, that, that may appear on... Um, on the face of it to be more expensive than the cost of self-custody but if you if you did you know look there, there's always going to be an exchange and a forex element going in and out of bitcoin you know there's the cost of a tracer or a nano and and there's uh you can't get insurance on these on, on mm. crypto assets that you hold your self-custody mm. yet and hey, look, there was a there was a a four million dollar loss uh, in Auckland the other day. Someone uh, broke in and, and stole, and that that was something you'd seen. There was mm. a four million dollar loss in, of cryptocurrency self custody in an Auckland home. There's some really real live examples of you know the potential downsides of self custody. So mm. I think you know that that's got to be taken. I think investors should look at the whole picture, and as you say diversify if that's your thing or, or, or you know we're just we're just broadening the investment possibilities in, in the space which is really important so there's some intangibles and some some tangibles you can directly measure some of the benefits and and link where some of that fee is attributed to but then there's yes. a whole host of intangibles in a sense right like even just that whole insurance piece right well you, oh. this fund isn't just one fund and there's not just one custody issue here there's layers of custody um, structures around this so the likelihood of you losing your funds is so much lower than if you were custodying it yourself but Correct. one of the other things that i want to flip into is just a discussion around the tax treatment for digital assets and mm -hmm. um at the moment janine and, and i think i think i think you've, you've actually spoken to me about this on the show or a few others Possibly. have anyway it's, it's a bit blurry by now but what are the what's the tax treatment right now just a couple of headlines around that so at the moment, cryptocurrency is treated like property for tax, but without any of the sort of nice little carve outs around um, rental properties or own homes or anything like that. So it's just a pure property that you buy it at one price. And when you sell it or dispose of it, you get taxed on the difference between the purchase price 
and the disposal price. So as a quick example, if you buy a little bit of Bitcoin for $1,000, it goes up in price to $1,500 and you sell it, you've made a $500 gain and you get taxed on the $500 at your marginal tax rate. So it sounds relatively simple, but it does become very complex, particularly when um, disposals are any movement of cryptocurrency out of your wallet. Uh, well, any time that you dispose of a particular crypto. So for example, you might do a swap, you might swap your Bitcoin into Ethereum, that is disposal of Bitcoin and that needs to be um, accounted as part of your tax return. And then you've got staking, lending, borrowing, there's a whole lot of and NFTs and all of these things are creating complexity for people's doing, doing their taxes and in a lot of cases there isn't clear guidance on all of that yet. So it's a little bit of a minefield tax on crypto but in a nutshell it's just treated as any other property and you pay tax when you dispose of it. Yeah. And certainly for those investors that are buying and holding for the long term, which is absolutely what, what I'd recommend here, 10 years plus, sure. then it's not something that you need to really think about too much to start with. But it is just one of those things. And it's made worse, I guess, just because it's not super clear. Right. Um, and I think the problem on that point, Darcy, and I've been caught out by this myself, is that you buy and hold. And so you sort of kick the tax can down the road. But then when you get there, I got to the position where I didn't know what the purchase prices of a whole bunch of my altcoins were because I just hadn't kept good records. So I actually ended up liquidating a lot of my altcoins at the end of last financial year purely so that I could pay you know, tax on them, then buy them again and have kept better records of what I was doing this time around. So it is something that catches investors out if they're not very disciplined with their record keeping. Right. Wow. Okay. And yeah, for, for people that want to learn more about that, I did an episode with Taxoshi and um, another one with Campbell Pentany around taxation. So again, I'll put some links in the notes for that one as well. But going back to you, Vinny, um, let's have a chat around what, what pie is. And I'm not talking about apple pie here, but I feel like apple pie now because I mentioned that. But tell me, what is pie portfolio investment entity, right? You got hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Okay. So uh a pie is a portfolio investment entity. It, it is a, a it is a, a very common investing vehicle uh, used in the New Zealand uh, fund space. Effectively, what it does is it enables the investor to uh, be taxed at their personal tax rate, as opposed to some arbitrary fund uh, rate that may be applied at the outset. So the, the, the investor, when they invest in the Vault International Bitcoin Fund, are able to identify what their prescribed investor rate is. So that's somewhere between zero and 28%. And generally, it, it will mirror, closely mirror, your, your marginal tax rate. So where, where that becomes relevant, Darcy, in this instance, is um, there is what's called a fair dividend rate um, on the... Um, of 5% on the your investment in the fund, and then your prescribed investor rate will be the tax rate applied against that 5% dividend. Okay, can you take me through just a, like a, a simple example where I have $10,000 invested in this sure. fund, because because ultimately this kind of spits out an, a number, which is which I think is quite fascinating because it's potentially one of the biggest benefits in paying the fee is the tax treatment here. So take, take me through if I have a $10,000 investment for the fees, for example, just talking about the tax treatment of that. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Let's assume that the investor comes in on, let's say, 1st of April. They've made a $10,000 investment after onboarding with the appropriate partner, reading the reading the PDS and and also taking financial advice. Those, those things are critical to mention. 
let's assume they hold for five years, the, the, the investment doubles, say, and of course it can go the other way. So let's say they've made a $10,000 gain. They've invested $10,000, it's gone to $20,000 after five years and a $10,000 gain. The way that would be taxed is that um, under the foreign invest, investment fund rules, a fair dividend rate of 5% per annum on the the 1st of April balance of the of the investment in the fund will apply. So what does that actually mean? Okay, so there's a $10,000 investment. There's an annual dividend payable, at least in year one, of 5% of the $10,000. So that would equate to $500 deemed dividend income per annum. And then a maximum prescribed investor rate would apply of 28% on that $500. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that would be $140 for that for that first year. So in essence, each year approximately, the, the investor will pay around about $140 fair dividend tax on their $10,000 investment. So let's extrapolate that $140 per annum across a five-year period, say, just ignoring, you know, uh, or just for simplicity's sake, ignoring movements and the, and the price for now. But let's say five years at $140 per annum tax rate, $700 for the total five-year period. You compare that to someone, say, at the top tax rate, um, making a $10,000 gain across that period, they would be paying tax at 39% on that $10,000 gain. Mm. So what we're really comparing is approximately $700 in tax for the five-year period versus $3,900. Does that make sense? There's a lot in there. No, that, that you explain that really, really well, Vinik. Um, so effectively okay. what you're saying is that if you're holding that directly during that five-year period, you made a 10,000 gain, top tax rate 39%, 3,900 versus what you've just walked us through with doing yes. it via the fund, it works out to be about 700. So it's about $3,200 better off from a tax point of view to do it via this fund. So... Like, I think this is this is so critical, right? Like, especially when you relate it and equate it back to that fee, which might seem quite high relative to what your KiwiSaver fund is. This is a significant benefit, right? Um, yes, it is. And of course, that look, it can go the other way as well, Darcy, to get to get balance here, right? Let's take that same $10,000 investment and, and a, let's say adoption rates reverse on Bitcoin and we don't see... Uh, that investment going to $20,000 across the five-year period. Let's say we set halve and it goes down to $5,000. In that example, you would still be liable for the $140 roughly. Now, it will go down, but the $140 tax per annum. So you'd still be liable for the $700, but you've, you would have made a $5,000 loss on the, on the investment. Mm. So that would not be deductible. So look. You've got to present all, uh, and, and people should be talking to, to their tax accountant just to, to re-clarify things for their own particular mm. situation. But that's the way, in essence, the the fund mm. tax treatment would work. So, and by the way, I should mention as well that um, the investor will will advise um, the fund of their of their prescribed investor rate. 
that tax would be um, deducted and paid by Adminis as custodian, paid directly to the ID in, in April each year, and that, and that is a final tax. So, so it makes it very simple from from a collection point of view as well. You know, the investor gives the pro, gives the fund the prescribed invested rate, and that's effectively all they should need to do. Mm-hmm. That's great, and I think this, this is one of those weird examples where tax has actually created some impetus for innovation, right? Mm. Is that is that true? Like, is that one of the one of the things that you guys kind of discovered throughout creating this fund is that actually this this horrible tax thing that annoys everybody to death is actually really useful because now we've just stumbled across a great innovation here. Well, that's yeah. exactly. It was really exciting. So we sort of set out to you know, build this product for for a whole range of reasons, but mainly just to make it easier for people to get into this asset class, right? Because it is, you know, like Vinny was saying at the beginning, the, the barriers to entry for people can be quite high. And so here's a way to take this great new asset class and make it available to everyone by putting it inside a product that people are used to. And then having this tax benefit as well, like obviously we didn't know that at that start, we, you know, there was a lot of work that Vinny and the team did to sort of establish that that was indeed the correct treatment. But it's, it's phenomenal because, you know, it really helps remove... Um, yeah, what is a barrier for some people? And also it takes advantage of an existing tax treatment, applying it to this new asset class and coming up with what is, you know, in a in a bull scenario, an amazing um, sort of advantage of people. So, you know, if you think the price of Bitcoin is likely to go up, then this is definitely something to, to look at because it does have, like Vinny sort of laid out in detail, very different tax treatment and it can be very advantageous. Mm. Do you think like in general, do you think that this might actually force the IRD to reconsider its stance on tax treatment around digital assets? In essence, we're not reinventing the wheel here at all, Darcy. We're, we're using an existing and, and, and familiar high front structure. We're, we're applying the existing uh, uh, tax treatment for, for foreign, uh, investments in foreign investment funds. And, you know, we're, we're purchasing shares and uh, ETFs and funds that are listed on foreign exchanges, you know, so there's, mm. there's, there's regulation and an added layer of uh, security for investors mm. at each stage of the process. And I think that's really mm. critical to, you know, as I say, we haven't, re- you know, we, we haven't reinvented the wheel. We've just, just presented a global product in a slightly different way. And, and to your point around the the IRD sort of you know focus on these assets, they definitely are looking at um, you know improving the tax um, situation for crypto assets. And is, you're probably aware, Darcy, and maybe some of your listeners will be as well. Um, the IRD there's a bill that went up to Parliament last month, which removes GST on crypto assets, which is really really important because we were in the situation of potential double taxation for people buying. Bitcoin and then using it to say buy um, goods or services. So it's really great that the idea of recognise that's an issue and sort of take the steps necessary to adjust that and correct that. And I think we'll continue to see innovation out of the IRD in regards to taxing crypto assets. Now, I just want to take, take a little bit of a tangent here and uh, sorry to spring this on, on you, but I was just, just thinking as you were doing that, that you know, like I've, I've been speaking to my own clients as a financial advisor. I've been speaking to my own clients around digital assets for quite some time now. And I think it's really, really important for everyday listeners, not not to come to me necessarily, but get some financial advice. You don't have to, to access this fund, but it's a very good idea because if you can do it thoughtfully, strategically, and with purpose, you're more likely to achieve good outcomes, not just with Bitcoin, but with your overall wealth building strategy. And a lot of people kind of look at Bitcoin and they kind of think, well, this is so volatile. It's so scary. I'm going to lose all my money or I don't even want to risk that. 
But as part of a balanced portfolio, do one of you want to talk me through why a little dabble do you? Why just a little bit of exposure to this amazing asset class can actually tremendously improve not just the amount of return, but the type of return that you get? There have been a lot of studies done on this, um, and there's a lot of really interesting results coming out. But you know, you've t- you've hit on a really critical point there around diversification, right? Like this is the golden rule of investment: is diversify, diversify, diversify. So I'm, you know, I'm of the belief personally that crypto assets is one diversif- diversification avenue that is worth looking into. Um, and you know, I think there's been a lot of research that. If I can remember correctly, it's sort of between five to ten percent of your portfolio into crypto assets is the general rule of thumb that studies have shown. You know, leads to good results. Um, obviously, past returns don't indicate future returns, that sort of thing. But at that kind of level, you're not risking too much. Like, you know, if you put five percent of your wealth into crypto assets, you could lose it, and it wouldn't be the end of the world. But you have a, a reasonable exposure to an asset class that does have potential to increase in value quite significantly, more so than some of the more traditional and safer investments, which have you know less risk, but also lower returns there yeah, on the website there we, we go through you know uh why invest in bitcoin you know you know well, how has it been perceived um and as janine mentioned you know this is not a an all-in type of product and people need to take financial advice and be aware of the risks before they invest either in bitcoin or, or units in the fund but you know people we, we, we part of this process is we want people to be cognizant of actually what's happening globally and why it be, Bitcoin is now one of the larger assets in the world. I think it's about a trillion dollars. Number eight. Number eight. Uh, Market cap, yeah. And cryptocurrencies as a whole come in at around, I think, number two, uh, you know, up there with um, just under, a bit under gold and up there with sort of Apple um, as a, you know, total market cap. And so it is really a significant value um, class asset. Sorry, Vinny. Critical point. And, 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 you know, that's, I I think it's not something that, People should be ignoring any any longer. But having said that, I, I think we're still relatively early in the piece. You know, we're looking at sort of sixty odd million uh, worldwide users May last year. Now we're looking at two hundred million. And and if you look at any other technology adoption curve, you know, you could see that we're still early in the piece. You think internet in the nineteen nineties. You think. Uh, the motor car, any, any sort of new technology, we're still early days. Um, but again, it's it's getting too big to ignore for many people now, I think. And it, and it has the potential to disrupt a lot of industries um, and, and make things a lot more efficient in many industries as well. And, you, and you're starting to see, you know, large companies, MasterCard, Visa, et cetera, starting to really adopt this type of technology. Um, I mean, added to that as well, you, you, you know, you've got you've got the issue in, in, in relation to Bitcoin specifically. You've got the issue of currency creation going on fairly unabated. The, the, you know, every every investor is different as to what is right for them, and they need to seek financial advice. But again, it's not something that should be ignored for too much longer. Uh, but you know, make the decision not to invest by all means. But but have a look at it, and and understand the reasons that are driving it: digitization of the world economy, um, you know, uh, shifting uh, shifting demographics of, of investors as well. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of baby boomers who'll be passing their 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 wealth on to younger generations, and and all of that is going on and at quite an increasing pace. But these are the things driving the adoption rates that we're seeing currently. Darcy, you'll remember when we did a show together last um, with Brooke Howard-Smith, we were talking about diversification, not just into cryptocurrency, but within cryptocurrency. And I think that's a really important point as well, that you know the, the Vault um, International Bitcoin Fund is a Bitcoin-only fund, but Vinny and the team will be 
bringing out more different types of fun products in there and thinking about diversification within crypto you know i like to liken it sort of back to traditional assets people you you know can understand that and as Vinny explained bitcoin is kind of like gold and then you have other assets like say ethereum it's an infrastructure it's a platform so it's kind of like shares in in a telecom you know company or a an airport something you know that sort of infrastructure asset and then you have other cryptocurrencies that are more like startups so you might be thinking of you know a little bit of a diversification into those in the same way you might dabble in a bit of venture capital or angel investment if you had the funds available so diversification within the asset class as well is really important but definitely start you know make your first step looking at bitcoin and thinking if that's right for you and then have a look at you know what else in that asset class might be of value good point and i think it's it's just but what you were saying Vinny, is just so spot on right like we i think we're all being confronted with a fork in the road situation right now we have to choose to actively say no this is bad i will not invest in it or maybe there's something in this. Sure. And it's interesting to see this happen in the financial advice community. I'm seeing that I'm watching this happen live right now. It's fascinating. Um, yes. Retail investors have, have picked up on it. It's legit. So before we finish up, I know that investors, if they wanted to, they if they have an account or they could open up an account with Invest Now and they can access that fund right now. Are there any other competitors in New Zealand that are doing what you do? Look, there's, there's New Zealand funds um, had some Bitcoin exposure within their within their offering um, recently. They've seen some reasonably decent uh, price increases in the Bitcoin price there. So that's 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 a slightly different kettle of fish, if you like, to what we're offering because we can offer it at the individual uh, investor level at at a level that is a, is appropriate to them. Crossgate Capital also have been going for uh, two and a half years now. They're, they're, quite, they're a slightly different offering. They have uh, they have a broad range of cryptos, as I understand it, within their fund, and you're actually buying shares directly in that in that fund. Um, and they directly- shares in a company that one rather than shares in a fund, so it's a very different structure. Yeah, but it's a very different model and. What the, the the fund model as we set it up, it's it's very liquid. Look, not as not as liquid, definitely certainly as as owning Bitcoin directly and being able to sell it instantaneously on on on, on Easy Crypto for sure. We, we you know we're, we're transacting on uh, foreign exchanges primarily in North America, and so there there is a timing delay between making an order and the actual transaction taking place. But we're very liquid, and so there's and and also we don't charge a performance fee. So there there are some pretty mm. key. To that is really important. Yeah, really, yes. really important because you're potentially going to get significant performance in this space um, just because of that's the nature of the thing, right? So that's good. Now, before we finish up, I just want to kind of guess here. Um, I know that you guys are doing other stuff, right? Like I know that, you, like what you said before, Vinny, you're investigating other assets to potentially include in maybe different types of funds. But really briefly, what next? What next for this uh, this fund? What next for Easy Crypto? Okay. Tell, tell me everything you can. No, absolutely. Hey, the next steps for us, uh, Darcy, we, we are um, uh, look. We've certainly got other product offerings that we 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 have in mind, and we'll make some announcements at the appropriate juncture. But uh, you know, our, our next uh, retail partner is Easy Crypto. Obviously, one hundred fifty six thousand um, uh, customers there. So very excited um, to to offer the Vault International Bitcoin Fund via Easy Crypto. And as you say, Darcy, there's a there's a, a potential for people to diversify into you know a slightly different uh, model, um, but the same exposure. We, we're also talking to um, other retail channels 
and other wealth advisory firms across the New Zealand marketplace. We would love to see this this um, big, big people being able to, as I say, democratise Bitcoin exposure for people who who won't and really shouldn't come and, and self custody Bitcoin themselves. This is this is just another way for them to safely, with their financial advisor, get get an appropriate level of of uh, Bitcoin exposure added to their portfolio or not, as the case may be. It's not for everyone. It is risky. It is incredibly volatile. It's it, it's uh, and people need to really think about their positioning sizes and timeframes as well. You know, we don't want to see people fomoing in and fudding out. You know, those those are really critical things. And this and, and I just will add to that, uh, Darcy. That you know, the fund is not a trading mechanism, um, mm. and and uh, people shouldn't see it that way. You know, mm. in the PDS we identify that you know a te- you know a ten year horizon needs to be considered. And uh, you know, and we identify as well that it is the highest risk category asset. So yeah, no, well said. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, don't trade this asset anyway is what I would say, but especially not via fund because I'm, I'm aware there's probably minimum buy-ins, there's a spread, there's minimum contributions. It's just not the vehicle you want to use for that, right? Not cool. But Janine, before we finish up, anything else you want to add? As you probably saw on the news this week, we just closed our Series A funding round with seventeen million of. Well done! Thank you so much. Very exciting, very long process, but I'm so stoked to get here, and we're really looking forward to you know the same mission as Vinny to democratise access to these financial products and services offered yes. through blockchain technology. So we'll be looking at expanding out a lot more products in there, adding products like the Vault International Bitcoin Fund, but also providing other products and services to our customers and taking Easy Crypto Global. So that's our mission. Well done. You're going to the moon with Bitcoin. That's great. Taking this unicorn to the moon. (laughs) Cool. All right, guys. Well, I really appreciate your time. Again, in this episode in particular, there's going to be a lot of resource for listeners and watchers to access. So make sure that you you type or you swipe over the cover art to see some of these links. But just want to thank you very much, Vinny, Janine, for sharing with me today. Awesome. Thanks for having us on, Darcy. Thanks, Darcy. Cool. Thanks very much, Vinny and Janine. All right, the portion of the show where I tell you what I really think. Today, it's pretty simple. I've known for a bit that something like this was coming and I'm genuinely glad to see this fund launch. One of the reasons why many financial advisors don't recommend acquiring this asset called Bitcoin is that there's never really been a product that they could incorporate into their implementation offering. Now there is. Instead of being something that's automatically frowned upon, now at least, you should be receiving a full and balanced conversation around this topic. So, I think the decision to invest in Bitcoin should be taken seriously and ideally with some advice. With any serious decision, it helps if you can do some research, and it also helps when the advice that you receive around it considers your other mainstream investments in your portfolio, because they do kind of resonate. I've recently completed a certificate in blockchain and digital assets, and one of the things that really struck me was just how the volatility of Bitcoin, while on the surface appears to be negative, can actually improve overall portfolio performance, not just because of the potentially higher rates of return every now and then, but due to low correlation. Now, I know this is a bit technical, but bear with me. Imagine jumping on a trampoline by yourself. Next, some little kid decides to join you. She's going up and down extremely well, and when you get the frequency just right on your bouncing, 
she goes into orbit, right? Now, from your perspective, occasionally their wild jumping also boosts your height. Not too much because you're, you're fat and heavy, right? But sometimes it feels like you've lost a bit of oomph, right? As your energy is transferred to them. Hopefully you're getting the picture. By having a small amount of your portfolio allocated to Bitcoin and subject to your age and stage and all sorts of things, you may start with maybe 1% or 2% or even go much higher. But if it's a small portion, even if it did go to zero, which it totally can, by the way, it's not going to rob you entirely of your bounce. Occasionally, though, you'll notice that your overall portfolio bounce is up quite a bit. This is what I mean when I say that Bitcoin isn't correlated to traditional assets that strongly. It zigs when others egg. But yes, as mentioned in this episode, Bitcoin is getting too big to ignore. So make a decision here. Doesn't have to be yes, but just make a decision. Now, I know in reality, if you've actually listened to the very end of the show, your decision is probably yes, or it's close to being yes. And if it's no, you probably turn it off because that's kind of what we do, right? We don't listen to things that challenge what we already think. But why am I stressing this now? Well, just in case this is potentially the best investment opportunity of our generation, I really don't want you struggling with regret later on. Now, this isn't the same thing as me saying it's going to the moon and you need to pile in now. But in the long term, you just need to guess now what the answer to this question is. Is it more or less likely that in 10 years, the price of Bitcoin will be worth more than it is today? It's that simple. Now, one other thing that I need to mention, 2020 was a year of fear, anxiety, and in some cases, panic in the area of health. Imagine that happening also in the financial realm. Imagine if there was some sort of pandemic that affected all of your wealth. Don't freak out about that prospect as that isn't a prediction and I don't know anything that you don't already know. But consider what you would do if there was a significant correction in all markets. Many would say, well, you buy the dip, right? But trust me, if things get real bad, you certainly ain't going to be buying any dips. I'll tell you that much. You might be way too scared. Corrections, though, are normal. What I'm saying is that you do need to predetermine what your response will be. In fact, this is what Bitcoin investing has really taught me. I don't have a huge amount tied up in crypto, but I did buy at the peak of it during the last bull market. So I know what it's like to go through a 70% reduction in the value of a portfolio. I had determined from the outset, though, that it was a long-term hold, and that's what I did. A few times I was tempted to give up and sell, especially with all the bad news coming out from left, right, and center, but I hung in there. Maybe I was too lazy to actually sell. I don't know, but I'm thankful that I didn't sell. Now, what's your plan should the market correct? Again, I'm not suggesting that there is a market correction happening right away, and I'm certainly not suggesting that there is one plan which is correct here, but just having a plan should be the plan. You know what I mean? Now, all of this to say, when you hear phrases like, do your own research, and this isn't financial advice, etc., the one bit of research you seldom hear emphasized is do your own research on yourself. How would you feel during a market correction? Not what would you do, but how would you feel? Now, it seems silly, me asking you this perhaps, but under stress, which is what's going to be happening with the next correction, you're less likely to go to a place of logic, and it's more likely that you're going to reference your feelings. Feelings don't power great decisions. 
the Chinese attacking Taiwan, the internet completely shutting down for weeks, a worldwide banking collapse, you name it. The next time there's a correction, you will feel fear. No amount of research and reading all the right books is going to help stop that feeling and make you make a better decision. But if you're sticking to a predetermined plan, you're far more likely to succeed. All right, that's it for me. Be sure to check out the show notes. Remember and watch those short videos that I've been putting out on YouTube. Give them a like and post a comment if you enjoy them. Hope you have a great week, everyone, and fear not. Thanks for listening in to the NZ Everyday Investor Podcast, a show that's about helping you, the everyday Kiwi, build wealth. To learn more about the show, please visit nzeverydayinvestor.com or visit your show notes on your podcast player. There, you can find out how to make contact, sign up to our newsletter, and check out previous episodes. We're on a mission to increase wealth for everyday Kiwis. If you'd like to support what we do, then there's a few things that you can do. Write a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, share episodes with your friends, or support us financially on Patreon. Before we finish up, just another reminder that what was discussed today is for educational purposes only. Ideally, before acting on anything covered here, please contact your trusted financial advisor or do your own research. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll catch you next time around.